Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Uh, This week on our episode, we're talking about salt and light. And we actually spent a little bit of time talking about an interesting textual translation challenge in the in this particular passage and about the nature of the scriptures and how do we deal with textual challenges and translation issues and that sort of thing. Then we also are going to answer a question that came in from you all about uh, Jesus referring to salt and light or actually predominantly light in a couple of different ways. and some of them feel contradictory like he's the light we're the light who's the light and we're going to deal with that on this week's episode without any further ado let's dive right in we could go live if we wanted apparently last week we didn't know how to turn the live off because you weren't here so we just got a blue screen for a while welcome to the red couch did you actually start on time last week yeah ish. like i mean it sounded like the beginning of the episode, you guys were already in full conversation and never referenced that there was people watching. That would not be... No, no, no. Then we must have started early, even though... I'm going to blame the podcast. Yeah. I mean, we, we started as soon as it said 11, and we even referenced the fact that we'd been in the middle of a literature conversation again. And welcome, everybody. So Hello, uh, everybody. We know you're there. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I'll have to go back and figure out what happened with that. Because so it seemed like I, I kept thinking, oh, I'm starting in the middle of the episode. Huh. What we're saying really is this whole thing rises and falls on Aaron's brilliance. And when he's not here. No. What I'm what I'm saying, like, I wasn't even, I, w- I didn't call. I didn't remind you anything. And there was an episode. Yeah, without it an was introduction. Brilliant. And then there was like a blue screen for about 15 minutes because even though I turned everything off, it didn't stop doing what it was doing. <laughs> I, I just know that the stuff that you are clicking on, but when you're not here, I don't click on it. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> the other day, it's, so this was it's just, actually, I don't do anything. I yeah. just want you to think that I'm really working hard the other day, to this, justify my existence. And so I push all these buttons. <laughs> And make you think that I'm fancy. This was a funny moment in our lives the other day. My wife was running a birth class in my office for our good friends, Jake and Kaylee Goslin. And she called me to ask how to get the TV working. And I said, Laura, you're doing a class with Jake. If he can't get the TV working, I can't get the TV working. (laughs) A guy whose literal career is being tech savvy. Um, and consulting churches on difficult technology stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. If he, yeah. There's yeah. not a chance. And he's in the room and, and I'm over a phone. <laughs> like, like I, just don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, just like, it's over. It's yeah. Oh, no, I think it if there out. was only someone who yeah. could help. <laughs> I think he wasn't that yet. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just a funny moment. Well, how's it going, man? It's been a while. It has, I yeah. feel like we haven't even really had a chance to have a real conversation. Barely. Oh, well, that's we did because a right bit. now you are the busiest person in the world. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You are Mr. Seminary, Mr. South, Mr. Family, Mr. You've got like oh, so many man. different things going on. What am I doing? Um, whereas I actually spent the whole of yesterday reading and writing around a sermon which felt like a rarity that's brilliant like to the point that yeah it was just like hours of space which i never get i was like this is this feels like it's what it's supposed to be 
<laughs> it's what it's like to be a yeah, pastor. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> at least in terms of like one day a week, like, you know. Yeah. I, then this week I have meetings from 7.30 to like 4, which is fine. I yeah. love that. But it's, yes. Um, Speaking of sermons, you gave one on Sunday. Yes. Yes, you did. Yes. And uh, you talked about light and dark. Am I in the right week? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Good. chapter I'm, I'm 5, verse in, 13. I actually sort of slept last night. That's so great, yeah. So look you, out. You I have got, telepathy today. Yeah. Um, you are the light of the earth. Salt of the earth. Light of the earth. Light of the earth. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, and they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Fascinating piece of scripture. Yes, indeed. So also, like I did promise people, like quickly, on uh, Sunday, there's a really weird translation quirk uh, in the first verse. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. I'm going to... Maybe beware <laughs> if you're listening audio. I'm just, I actually would just want to be half on screen, half off screen. <laughs> no. Um, if the volume cranks up really loud in just a second, I apologize, but I'm just noticing that it's probably too low. So I love it. If okay. you're blasting it now, just brace yourself. It might change. Do you want me to, uh, I don't know, recite a verse of something? I don't know. Is that uh, better, everyone? Did that change? She doth teach the torches to burn bright. It seems she hangs upon the cheek of night. Man, he just quotes Shakespeare over here. in an Ethiopia. Beauty to something for something to rich for. I used to be the person that I knew that could quote the most Shakespeare until I met you. <laughs> and I can only quote one. Hickory dickory dock. The mouse was... That's not Shakespeare. <laughs> um... <laughs> Anyway, translation yeah, challenge. Yeah. Translation challenge. So, so Matthew chapter five verse thirteen. In most of the versions that you might have in front of you, or we might have on screen, uh, it says, "You are the salt of the earth." But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? The problem is, it doesn't say if salt loses its saltiness in Greek. It says to make foolish or tasteless. Tasteless is a stretch. Really? Foolish is... is More accurate. Yeah. But if the salt loses... If the salt, salt becomes foolish would be the most accurate oh, translation. Yeah, but if the salt makes foolish. Yes. <laughs> now, now, so here's where it gets nice. fascinating, and this plays with your sense of like... Like, like so like... And, and again, like, like fun little question. Like, if, if you grew up in a church that talked a lot about inerrancy like word for word like you know the, yeah. the original greek manuscripts are exactly as they're supposed to be yeah and, and i can get on board with that totally the the word for foolish like some people would say oh this is a hebraic way of saying like loses its saltiness but in aramaic the word for foolish and the word for saltiness are almost exactly the same word it's just a tiny little scribal change that's required to turn it from one to the other. So there's another theory that says at some point, whoever scribed the words saw the word wrong in Aramaic, translated it to Greek as foolish instead of saltiness, 
And that's why in our Greek manuscripts it says saltiness instead of, uh, it says uh, foolishness instead of saltiness. Wow. Okay, so what what do we do with interpretive challenges like that? So, so I, I yeah. feel like this is the most important passage for my life. Yeah. How is this supposed to change me? Well, the, I mean, the fascinating <laughs> thing is, like, for, for most people, right when they try and translate it, they're just going to translate it in a way that makes sense. So that's why you very re- re- rarely see a translation that will actually say, but if salt were to become foolish, how can it be made salty again? Uh, because we're kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. And there's all these different reasons that saltiness so makes sense. How can it make, but this one's salty. Yeah. So, but if the salt becomes foolish, how can it be made salty? Yeah. Again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there an interpretation where we can. Yeah, yeah, or, or, you could say, or you could say is that perhaps somewhere 2,000 years ago, there was an idiom that would say something like. Um, would say that, yeah, that's a way that Jewish people phrased losing saltiness or changing for the worse. Like, like you yeah. stupid, foolish yeah, salt, yeah, you don't yeah. work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> stupid oh, salt. You're no longer salty, you've become foolish. Again, could that be the case? That's the hard part with idioms. They change so quickly um, that, that, like, what, what, do, what, what do you, how do you know? 2,000 years ago, how do you know if something was an idiom? Yeah, I had a greek professor when i was at moody who his specialty was like greek figures of speech and he wrote his own like massive volume on Mm. figures of speech in the greek in greek constructs and like you you had to like as we were translating we had to comb through his massive volume trying to see if there was any figures of speech and it was like overwhelming there was like 75 different Uh, like constructions that were warnings and that then, you're using a figure of speech. And then when you like, when you like, you know, when things change so quickly, someone said the other day, I can't remember if we talked about this. It, it feels like the sort of thing that like maybe is a little too risque for Sunday morning, but on the podcast is, is probably okay. But someone said the best, the, the best like understanding they've heard recently of biblical, the problems of biblical interpretation are that in 2000 years, no one will be able to tell the difference between the term booty core and butt dial. Like they'll be the same thing. <laughs> and now we know, like, obviously like there's this, 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 this idea of like a late night dalliance or something that's like expressed as a booty core, which, you know, again, like very inappropriate for, for church language. But, but, but then there's also the butt dial that like I accidentally called someone, but think about just the language for a moment, the idea of dial and core. Yeah. The idea of butt and boot, like so similar in 2000 years, no one will know those are wildly different things. Yeah. Um, and, and those language pieces only came into being in the last. I mean, they're going to listen to our podcast and now well, know 2000 yeah. years from now, they're going to listen to but this. But even just think like podcast. Yeah. And yeah, clear yeah, that, them up. yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like this is going to be like Bill and Ted's excellent adventures. This podcast <laughs> will be the thing around. We're going to be like Holmes, Homer and the Iliad. <laughs> that's how, that's how steadfast. If we try and stop this, a guy's going to come from the future and be like, Aaron, Alex, you have to keep the podcast keep it going. The world the depends. Of humanity. <laughs> um, you have no idea what you could become with a little preparation. And oh, a little, no. A little sleep. Okay. Um, but 20 years ago, a butt dial didn't exist. 
No one had a phone in their pocket. Yeah. Like it wasn't a thing. It's brand new. And now it's everywhere in like people reference it all the time. Yeah. And so like you think about trying to get 2000 years ago, like into language and everything. That's, that's such hard work. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then Except for you've got, you've got me totally derailed. <laughs> but I like, imagine like when f- early phones, the butt dial would be like, you trip and like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's like sorry, the, sorry, Karen. The, you, <laughs> the hardest thing to do, I'm intentionally like the, let alone accidentally. The least serious I could possibly be right now. Yeah. Um, so but yes, so idioms then, are difficult. And then of course, like, there's this well-known like cultural intersection problem that the the more different the cultures, the harder the translation process. Yeah. And we would have to say our culture is now very, very different from the early church culture or from the first century Jewish culture. Uh, and then the more complex the idea, the harder the translation. So I have a friend mm. uh, from years ago. She's fluent in seven languages. And she will only acknowledge you as fluent if you can talk about anything in that language. So it's, it's not enough to be able to walk into a store and order a coffee and a donut. Uh, in the language, you have to be able to talk about how to change a light bulb in the language. You have to be able to talk about how to do a medical operation in the language. Like, all of those things have to be within your purview for her to count you as fluent. So she can do that in seven languages. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's a question for you. Um, on this show, we've multiple... It seems to be a, a repeating theme, partially because it's maybe a soapbox issue for me, but probably. it's a repeating theme. Um where we talk about the challenges of interpretation. Um, we've, we talked about little subtleties like this or quirks in the original languages or whatever. Um, are we undermining the goodness and the beauty of scripture by constantly questioning its accuracy in our language for people? Oh, and I, I, so I, I don't, what's the risk there? So, so I guess the risk is that someone could become over-focused on those things where I don't think either of us would say that that's true for us. But there's always that, like, potential that that becomes the thing. Like, like I, I mean, I, for me, I intentionally read Scripture without over-focusing on those nuances. And I think the more you become aware of them, the more intentional you might have to become in that. But the more you practice that, the better you'll become at doing that. So, so I, I mean, my general practice for reading scripture is saying, God, how are you speaking to me through this, this English text that has so many imperfections uh, to it because it brings all of the translator's quirks and yet has all of these beautiful nuances to it because of the translator's quirks. And, and, and that's true of like huh. so many things, right? That's true of, of a sermon as well. Like I'm not a ventriloquist on Sunday morning. Like... there's this there's this idea you even i've even probably prayed this for someone i've probably like prayed like for you in preaching god take away anything that's just aaron and give us just what's you and yet like you're there because you're you yeah you know we're not all the same we don't all get up and just speak 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 and and god gave us writers of scripture uh who are different Matthew is different to Mark, who's different to Luke, who's different to John, and they bring value um, and they bring distinctions. Yeah. And still God speaks. 
so I, th I think there's a maturity thing there to learning to um like to me i think we talk about them because they're interesting um and because they help us maybe unpack some nuances that we haven't seen before well and uh, i think it also is a I find the script the scriptures are more helpful to me today than they were when I thought it was really black and white, really cut and dry. Yeah. Because a a text that I have to wrestle with and linger and be confused by and <laughs> shout at heaven for mercy or like a text that makes me do all of that work mm -hmm. is a is a text that's like working its way into the fabric mm -hmm. of of who I am. Yes. A text where I look up like a dictionary re or or an encyclopedia reference, get the data points that I need. I don't think I've ever I don't think a encyclopedia has ever transformed my life. Yeah. It it's given me some information and maybe that information about the thing that I interact with and that mm -hmm. transformative, but an encyclopedia has never changed my life. Yes, yeah, so so I think and I that's think, not the nature of the scriptures. And yeah. sometimes we get uncomfortable, especially in the West, when it's the scriptures aren't that. And I think that the so the 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 weird quirk of scripture and how it seems to work is that one, it can teach different people different things in a, in in the same moment. So I can read a text on Sunday morning and one person can take this away and one person can take that away and God works through it in all these different ways. That's a mystery because so much of it is his, is what he brings to the conversation. Yeah. So there's a dialogue and then God is speaking, which is, is beautiful. Like that's, that's the, and the main massively purpose. frustrating as a preacher. Sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People... <laughs> like, I wanted you to believe, think this uh -huh. and somehow you heard this like, no. but then there's also a way of reading scripture where you might learn something, but it could also, mm, how, how to say this, it may also not be necessarily reflective of the original message, which I think we try and honor a little bit. So, that, and, and this becomes more challenging depending on the passage we pick, because some of these were very comfortable with, and some of these were less comfortable with. So, so if I were to pick, say, a parable of Jesus, Jesus says a man's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Yeah. Most of us are pretty comfortable at this point by saying, well, there wasn't necessarily an actual man walking from Jericho to Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Like, Jesus could have created the story. Um, and that's part of his teaching brilliance. And I yeah. would say that's a good reading. And, and Monty Python does a whole thing on this where, you know, the, 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 this messianic figure is preaching. It's not Jesus. It's someone else uh, in that era. And he says a man goes from Jericho to Jerusalem and someone in the crowd's like, oh, yeah, well, what's his name? And, and, and the teacher's like, what? He's, he's just some guy. He doesn't know what his name is. You're making this up, aren't you? Like it's, and of course, the point is he's making it up. It's brilliant. Um, now, here's where it gets a little more challenging. There's nothing in the text to say that the same thing isn't true of the book of Jonah. Yeah. Like, like, that, that, like the question is, is whether it happened the point now, for a lot of people, like that's that's a challenging point because they're like, well, no, the point of Jonah is that God can create a whale or a fish that will swallow a human being and take him where he wants it to go. He got, if you get off track, God will grab you and he'll take you where he wants you. That's not the point of Jonah at all, as far as I can read the text. Like, yeah. if it is, it's like the tertiary point. It's certainly not the main point that God can 
allow fish to swallow people and they live and land in the place that they were running away from. Yeah. There's nothing about Jonah as a text that says to me, that's what God wants us to learn from the text. Yeah. Like the, the, the major teaching point is that God is passionate about and compassionate towards a foreign nation that is unlike the people that he's currently working with. Yeah. And that he will send a prophet out of his way to go to those people and he will celebrate when they're converted. Um, so like I am all for a literal reading of Jonah and it certainly could have happened. But yeah, we believe in a God who resurrects people. From yeah, the totally. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we're not no doubting problem with a, a, a supernatural being able to swallow a human yeah. being. Um, but but that's like that becomes the major point. So there's actually this great, probably apocryphal story where a guy comes to Billy Graham and says, you know, are you telling me that you believe the Bible when it says that Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Um. And Billy Graham looks at him and says, I'd believe the Bible if it said Jonah swallowed the whale. Um, like, like, it doesn't <laughs> matter what it says. I believe it. And, and actually, I'm, yeah, again, totally okay with that. Except the major point of Jonah, as you read the conclusion, does not seem to be about the whale or the fish or whatever. Like, it's a, it's a function of the story. And the major point is God is passionate about the people of Nineveh and he wants Jonah to be passionate about them too. Um, and so there's this beautiful conclusion where, where Jonah's mad about a plant that God instantly makes to spring up. Again, God is perfectly capable of instantly springing up a plant out of nowhere, but certainly not the major function of the story, major point of the story. Yeah. And so there's this moment where Jonah's mad because the plant withers away and, and God says to Jonah, and shouldn't I feel the same for the great city of Nineveh with 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right hand? Everything about the story points to a whole Jewish nation who's wired to hate the Assyrians. And God says, I'm the God of the Assyrians too. Like I long for them to repent and turn towards me too. That's the function of Jonah. Yeah. So I, I again, no problem with a literal reading of the book. My problem is when... Uh, a, a literal reading of the book stops you getting the message it seems like god wants you to get yeah yeah and mm, i might go one step further and say that there are textual clues that and you i don't think i'm disagreeing with you in any way but there are textual clues that that hint to us that a literal reading of the book of jonah is not only not the point, but maybe a little bit less likely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Be there's certainly an because argument make for that. Like, there's there's all these like it's too it's too perfectly crafted mm. as a piece of literature and po like not poetry, but it's like it's just brilliant little nuances in it that are almost over the top when it comes to. Yes. So if it again. Again, I'm fine with it being literal. Totally. But it was also embellished. Yeah, well, it's... In the sense that, like, the fish obeys God. The storm obeys God. Uh -huh. The sailors obey God. The, um, everyone obeys God except for the, the priest of God. Yeah, the... who then winds up on a distant shore, preaches the worst message in the history of messages. Like, yes. he literally just gets up and says, repent, or God will destroy this city. 
like so you've got all these other prophets amongst the 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 12 minor prophets and then the the, the major prophets as well who craft these incredible addresses yeah and nothing no one's listened to yeah and then jonah just gets up goes to a foreign nation starts waving like a flag or whatever and says hey by the way repent and turn around and everybody does yeah um yeah so i guess yeah my, so, so my we, point in bringing that up is just that um whoever wrote jonah was also uh a master of crafting words and and placing subtle nuance meaning inside of the story. So even yes. if it was real, it was it was yeah, very yeah, carefully yeah. curated yeah, yeah. to communicate other subtle things. And again, like no problem with the idea that God could have could have inspired the author to carefully create those details. Yep. But you see people, like, sadly to me, miss some of the point all the time. So so another example really quickly might be uh, Jesus cleansing the temple um, in the Gospels. Uh, in, in John's account, Jesus cleanses the temple right at the beginning. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus cleanses the temple, drives everyone out right at the end of his ministry. Now, the possibility is uh, that he did it twice. Like they actually let him do that twice. They actually like fell for the same thing again. Here like he they, comes again. Yeah, yeah. He's doing it again, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's <laughs> moving. It's like a comic book, whatever. Like, 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 all the possibility is one of them moved the story somewhere else to illustrate something, which a first century writer would have had no problem with. There's no like moral aspect to that. Whereas today, yeah, for us, chronologic chron- chronology is a moral thing. Yeah, it's an ethical imperative you have to get everything scientific revolution you have to get everything in order so again i I don't have a problem with there being two temple cleansings i don't have a problem with there being one and one of them chose to place it somewhere and one of them chose to place it somewhere else what i do have a problem with is when someone makes was the two temple cleansing the driving point of the conversation when jesus is cleansing the temple for a reason and it actually matters in the story. And there's the potential that you missed the story altogether because you're so busy trying to trying to pair up scripture and, and make sure there's no discrepancies whatsoever. Yeah. So I think we that that to, to to your point on the scientific revolution, we read the Bible as scientists quite often, instead as, as disciples. Um Yeah, or we or we read it like an encyclopedia instead of as a multi-genre filled yeah. um book i i yeah if G, if god had wanted us to have an encyclopedia he would have sent us an encyclopedia i think it actually speaks to the the brilliance and the confidence of god yeah to to choose to communicate to humanity through narrative like how obnoxious yeah. is how how uh how much trust he has yeah, in well, his it? ability to communicate and to the, the power of the spirit that he, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. So, so yeah. So yeah and, and whether it's like, I can't remember if it's 5% or 10%, 5% or 10% of scripture is scripture telling you what to do. 70% or something is narrative of like story uh, that we can learn from too. But if you're just looking for places where God says, do this. Um, and to get back to our passage for this week, again, like fascinating. Jesus must know there's multiple ways to understand salt. 
and multiple ways to understand light. And he could quite easily just say, oh, guys, by the way, when you hear me talk about salt, I want you to think about it in its ability to purify things or its ability to flavor things or its ability to be symbolic of a covenant that God has with a nation or a world. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He just leaves it ambiguous. He just leaves it open, which tells us a couple of things, right? It tells us that maybe it's all of those things and that, that, that the, the major point is broader than the specific of purification versus fragrant. Yeah. Um, or maybe that he wants us to work out which of those he's talking to us about in this specific moment in our lives. Yeah. Um, because maybe it's all of those different things. Okay, so... Aside from a interesting textual challenge, mm. what reminds remind people or for if for those who weren't there, what do you feel like this the main like thrust the main? Mm. Yeah, so I and there was a little nuance that I nearly added that I um, that we will probably get to this week as as all by way of a tiny spoiler for our, our crowd of podcast people. Um, I'm really intrigued by the flow of the different elements here. Because again, remember in the original text, no gap in between these different things. You don't pause. There's no like, oh, I'll read Salt and Light tomorrow because I just read uh, the Beatitudes yesterday or whatever. And yeah, it would those just headings flow. don't exist. Yeah, they don't <laughs> exist. The verses don't exist. It just flows. yeah. If you're if you're wondering like. This this here is not inspired. Yeah. By... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The numbers are not inspired. It never even says Matthew in the text. Yeah. Like it's just not there. Um so so that's all like historical details. Like there's no point that it says the gospel according to Matthew anywhere. Um, but there's lots of reasons for believing Matthew would be a good candidate to to be writing a gospel or a biography. Uh, so, like, the flow before is all, like, this Beatitudes, this invite, this, like, it's broad, it's, you know, follows on from him calling a group of disciples that are all a little bit fringe, a little bit uneducated. Um, and it's all taking place on a mountain, which, again, usually mountains are where things happen. And now he's starting to say to them, and when you go out, you are salt and light. Like, that's the context of it. Like, he's yeah. starting to say, you... You're going to go and take this beyond this mountain. This is going to go other places. Yeah. And there's a load of fascinating things that I won't, I'll share this week that we won't get to today. Um, so, so that contextual piece, like I'm intrigued by the R statement as opposed to the you will be or you could be or oh, try yeah. to be. Like there's, <laughs> no. No, there, there's no sense of try and do something. The closest it gets is in the second part where it says, so let your good deed shine. But again, lots is, of the languages... Is that in the imperative? Yeah. Let. It's translated in the imperative. I don't know what the Greek is there well enough to tell if it's... In, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, in the same way, let your, your light shine before others. Like, again, and let is an ambiguous word in English anyway. It has some elements of uh, of allow, don't stop. Yeah, it is Versus tr try to do. Yeah. Um. But for the most part, it's like this is a a, a God-given saltiness and a God-given light that you're supposed to take and allow to do whatever it's supposed to do in the world around you. 
which even that is like mind blowing. Like why in the world, if God really wanted to shine, why would he pick humans? Uh huh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, out of all the things in the universe that shine brightly, his glory and his goodness. So a friend of mine years Why ago, a human? friend of mine years ago took this, the specifically the light of the world part, and he said to the church, "Don't try and be a shooting star, be a shiny star." And it was like this really like simple like take on two different forms of light, and yet you know when sometimes people say things in a specific way or in a specific moment, and it just captivates a whole church. Yeah, and like a decade later, people were like. Like, feels like you're trying to be a shooting star, not a shiny star. Or some version of that, like, it just embedded into people's minds. Yeah. Um, that, that everything Jesus here says has, has connotations of, like, it's a, yeah, it's a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's got that feel of a lighthouse. It's got that feel of, like, this permanence, this, this, this sort of static light mm. that brings something to the world around it as opposed to this once-in-a-lifetime, like, thing yeah, that just... flash like, in a pan yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. And it's not in the text, but I just loved his implication of, like, a light that shines versus a light that disappears. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, we actually have a question this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, usually what happens with these questions is we eat up all of our time on them. Yeah. Um, so let's dive in now, and we'll see where this goes. Um what is the overlap and distinction or difference between we as the light of the world, Matthew five and the logos or logos being the light of men that is in life shining in the dark darkness, John one, as well as Jesus's I am title of light Mm -hmm. of the world, Mm -hmm. John eight. Yeah. So you have these three texts, uh, maybe, if I'm smart enough, I can actually get them all up. So it's Matthew 5, 14, John 1, and 8. So Matthew 5, 14, John 1, 8. It's going to even let me show them all at once. And then John 8, 12. Brilliant. John 8, 12. We we give preferential treatment to our um our YouTube audience here, yeah, because uh, you get to see some of these. But uh, there you go. So here are the three texts, mm-hmm. all referring to light. And I guess the question: Did I finish right reading the question? Yes, I did. So, what's the overlap or difference between all of these different expressions of how God uses light in the scriptures, mm-hmm. or Jesus uses light? So we know this one, John or Matthew five. That's mm-hmm. the one we're in yeah. this week. You are the light of the world. Jesus speaking to this, uh, this misfit mm-hmm. group of humanity. And John one, he himself was the light, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. In other words, John the Baptist is what this text is talking mm-hmm. about. John the Baptist wasn't the light, but he came yeah. as the witness. And it goes on to say to something like that light uh, was the light to men, which yep. I think is the part. That was yep. Right. The next part. And then Matthew or in John eight says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light yeah. of life. Yeah, which, which, if anything, seems to tie in, like, for them to have the light of light. And John 8 sounds like a way better idea. Jesus, yeah. why don't you do the light thing? Uh-huh. Cause, uh, uh, yeah. Because, yeah, anyway, 
But, yeah, so yeah, what's and, the connection uh, yeah, with yeah, these? But, but, but I think the implication of John 8 could be, uh, you could read the last part, something like, but we'll, co- we'll continue to carry the light of life. Mm. Um, like, I think that would be, to me, would be permissible. Um, so, so I think, to me, the overlap is like, isn't this what we would expect? Like, if, if Jesus' purpose in the world is to call disciples to call them children um, and to give them a mission to fulfill that somewhere like similar things that were true of him, some things that were true of him would become true of them. Um, you know, this is, this is like what we see all over the place. Don't we like a, a parents have a passion for a particular thing and their kids start to have a passion for the same thing. Like uh, a parent walks in a particular way and a kid starts to walk in the same way. There's a, there's a picture somewhere of some of my family. I think it's like three generations of guys all stood in exactly the same way. Like the same tilt, the same like legs crossed, the same arms folded. Like in, and you're like looking in a time warp of like these three generations or whatever of like yeah. doing the same thing. So if the if the story that Jesus presents that he has come that people like he uses this language further in John of like, you know, what it is to be born of the spirit. And, and he constantly, and as we'll wrestle with today, this week in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he really seems to be like, there's been a really, there's been religious ideas that have said you, you, you're, you have a part to play. Uh, and, and Jesus seems to say, no, there's a heart to be transformed. Yeah. If there's a becoming like, it seems natural to me that the connection would be, I am the light of the world, and now you are the light of the world. Yeah. Like that, that I mean, that seems like the natural run on, right? Yeah. So it's, it seems to me like if you look at, like, for example, the, if you do a deep dive into Leviticus, for example. Oh, absolutely. Which, which is yeah. everyone's favorite thing yeah. to do. And you go into like the purity laws or the holiness <laughs> laws, um, the, the framework about darkness or in the old testament language of purity laws and holiness is the the scriptures seem to think that uh impurity and and sin is contagious Mm. it like if you're around things that are unholy or impure it contaminates you in some way that's sort of the framework of like Mm -hmm. bad things make Mm -hmm. good things worse yeah but then John, one of the John's messages in 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 the book of John, but then the general one of the general messages of the New Testament is that Jesus flips the script. Yes, and you've already taught about this. I think even this year about like how he goes through and even um, like he he touches all these impure things, and he instead of him getting contaminated, he contaminates them with yeah. good, yeah, with light, Which with is- holiness. He makes unholy things holy, and then. It, so he has this ability to transfer light to to his followers, mm-hmm. and then those people have this ability, this strange, weird calling to transfer yeah. light and goodness beyond them. Now, I think the question, the, spirit, the yeah. question that lurks there is like, to what degree, what, what does transferring that look like? So we see ways that like we, in actual fact, scripture even says like God gave the two lights, one to govern the earth by day and one to govern it by night. Uh, and there's the sun, which is by day, and the moon, which is by night. And yet we know that the moon doesn't have light. It only has reflected light. Yeah. Um, 
So the question is, like, I'm always intrigued. I, I've wrestled with this, like, what does it mean you are the light of the world? Does that mean he's given a light of our own? Or, or is it simply a reflected light that, like, changes with proximity to him? I just think, I, I don't have an answer to that. It just is a, it's a, it's a question that floats. But I, th- I think that, like, that belief that we are the light of the world is important. Really, I mean, centered around what you just said. I, I'm always intrigued. I have a friend who is convinced that to have a dragon in your house is a serious problem. Like, not a real one, because they don't exist. That I'm aware of. But like a, a toy dragon. Like, I thought we lost him for a second, yeah, guys. Yeah, I was just going to <laughs> Like, to have, a, to have a toy dragon in your house is a problem. Because a toy dragon, yeah, yeah, like okay. a, like a like any kind of image of a dragon, in fact, uh-huh. because in in Revelation, the the dragon symbolizes the devil, so it's like to them they're like, no, you've now got the devil in your house, and that that makes a difference, that brings something to your house, um, and and, and I, I don't know the answer to that. That might that might be true for all I know, but but what intrigues me is that I don't think they have the same view of someone not following Jesus, having a picture of Jesus in the house. So, so the, the inference to me seems to be, again, based on the, the Leviticus idea, the darkness represented in this dragon, like it, it unpurifies the house. But they don't believe the same of an image of Jesus. They don't believe that purifies a house. Yeah. And that doesn't make a difference. You can have all the pictures of Jesus you want, but that doesn't matter. Um, but if you have a dragon in your house, that's darkness. That's a problem. Everything's going to change based on that one thing. Huh. And that, that viewpoint just has always intrigued me because I'm like, the inference of that is like that this, this Satan figure that the Bible talks about as an opponent of God, the moment there's a dragon in the house, he's like, Oh, I've got an in there. But Jesus, the God of goodness, the God of light sees an image of himself. And he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> don't really care about that like you know uh, it, it feels like a, partially because he's like yeah i've been there the whole time yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so it feels like a throwback to this idea, this leviticus idea that, that that darkness makes things unpure um and and there doesn't seem to be this belief that i've come across in many christians that they carry god's light with them wherever they go that 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 in this spiritual battle them walking into a room as carriers of God's light makes a difference. Yeah. Like they, and, and we see that concept still there in the new Testament stories and acts about Peter walking down a street and his shadow falling on people like brings healing life to them. Um, so, so I'm just, I'm always intrigued by, to me, this just broad lack of awareness of what you being in the world as a follower of Jesus has like it just seems most american christians are unaware of that completely yeah um yeah so i there's i think it's time for our weekly shout out to tim mackey oh yeah yeah, um you know we're still trying to get get a conversation (laughs) and by trying uh, blindly hoping that he'll randomly stumble <laughs> across an episode and listen to he all of it. He knows a guy who knows we've a never guy. called. We've never called. We've never emailed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we actually have made no effort whatsoever. <laughs> but and... anyway, uh, and it's not Tim Mackey. It's uh, probably his artist team. But probably the video that that first introduced me to wow, the Bible Project is doing something beautiful. Is this heaven and hell, heaven and earth mm-hmm. video that they did, and he talked about the heavenly realms and the earthly realm and 
in the garden, he used this Venn di diagram and uh, uh, his artists use this, right? This Venn diagram of like the earthly space and heavenly mm -hmm. space. And in the garden, there's like this overlap. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was like, uh, you can search on, search for it on YouTube. Um, Bible Project, Heaven and Earth. <laughs> this I is highly like recommend another this. way. You, I don't know if you'd remember this, and maybe it wasn't the same <laughs> over here, but ba back in the, the 90s, when Ace Ventura, the movie, came out, it was the okay. same It was the same year. It was Ace Ventura 2. It was the same year as the first of the Star Wars prequels came out, The Phantom Menace. And in their commercial, they said, if you only see one movie this year, see Star Wars. If you see two, watch Ace Ventura 2. The commercial for Ace Ventura 2 recommended watching Star Wars over Ace Ventura 2. <laughs> and I feel like that's what we've become. We're like, if you listen to one podcast only, listen to The Bible Project. If you listen to two, listen to us as well. I stand by that. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, not saying I disagree I'm with that. I'm just confirming it. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you, why are you still listening? You should be listening to the Bible unless Project. Unless you've listened to every single episode of the Bible Project, <laughs> don't listen to this video. Oh, man, that's so funny. Anyway, uh, this... <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going? Oh, this video. Two circles. The two circles, one's heaven's space and one's earth space. In the Garden of Eden, yep. they're like fully overlapped and they're, they create like this teal circle and this blue circle create like a purple circle, mm. right? Then sin fractures them apart. And then constantly all throughout the Old Testament, it's like God's trying to pull heaven's space and earth space back together. And there's like crossovers at the temple or in different environments where there's like god trying to access his people again um and 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 we're constantly warring against this effort but then when jesus shows up on the scene it's like it shows this little you know obviously drawing picture of jesus and it shows like this orb of purple representing mm -hmm. heaven space on earth surrounding him mm. and then he walks around this the, in mm. the scenery and he touches someone and uh -huh. they become purple yeah uh, have a purple circle and so on and so forth and this purple just starts to actually mm -hmm. spread throughout the earth and for some reason that imagery that visual was like this is the teachings yeah. of the gospels yeah, yeah. jesus comes and he starts to reverse the fracturing that we did when we and we constantly do when we sin. So can we now reread the text as you are the purple of the earth? Yes. Uh, Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about salt? You are the purple of the earth. Yeah, you, <laughs> you are bringing heaven in that moment. And, and that, I suppose that, I could pull up the video that, too. And... That ties into that covenant idea, that covenant reading of salt and light. That you are symbolic, you are bringers of the covenant, you are... Like salt was used in that covenant process. Light was reflective of a covenant moment. Um, yeah. I don't think, I think you're going to get us like fined if we actually show the video. I, no, I'm not going to show the whole video, but I'm just trying to see. That's at what least we're going to do every week now. We're, like, we're going to show <laughs> the last Start Bible the break. stream and then start broadcasting my screen of like their episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it. It's going to be great. I, was, I, I was, love this idea. I was at a church once and the pastor was fairly well known. And he said he met this guy the week before who said, I love your sermons. What I do is I listen to them. Then I preach them to my congregation the next week. And the guy was like, oh, I don't think that's the point. 
Thank you. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, well, here's like the image. For the people that can see, which yeah, is for like the people, which is almost no one, percent of the community. But we're 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 going to ostracize more than our mo- most of our audience, which is fine. We're way so like, past anything that makes sense now. Yeah, so purple, you're the purple space, and then later on, you see, look, you have Jesus, like he comes in and he starts to teach and he starts to expand this purple space into this earthly mm. space. Oh, so good, mm. purple, purple. You are the purple of the earth, people. Yeah. Purple eating people power. I'm wrestling with it. So when I used to do youth ministry, we used to talk about like the boys were blue and the girls were pink. And we used to say to them, no purpling. Like you you weren't allowed to be together. Um, I I do have questions about their color choices here. Does red and teal make purple? No, maybe actually. Yeah, yeah, probably. You think so? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, maybe it's accurate. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, in the same way pink and blue make purple. That's definitely the point uh, of this whole video is whether their color scheme is accurate. I like accuracy in my color schemes. Um, What else? Anything else you want to share? Oh, man, I think we're well past that. Um, (laughs) We're well past substance. (laughs) We're starting to to just steal other people's content (laughs) and show it on our episode. Yeah, just Tim Matthews, to be fair. Yeah. They're not showing anyone else. Yeah. Uh, at some point, someone's going to listen. He's like, I know that guy. Let, let me do an introduction. And then that's how this podcast will be the thing around which all culture gathers <laughs> in Bill and Ted's excellent like, adventures. Their style. podcast didn't do it. <laughs> no, Ours yeah, does. Yeah. Well, we invite yeah, someone yeah, yeah. else's. Yeah, yeah. Onto our. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's starting to all make sense. It totally. Uh, does. I think we're just wasting time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've only gone 49 minutes. Yeah. What's wrong with us? I don't know. We we're broken. Must be so tired. That's what happens when you take a week off. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in. Yeah. I think we said something on this episode. Was, uh, I mean, I didn't, but you did, maybe. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to claim that. Yeah. All right. Well, then now I'm going to do our tradition, which is where I try and find the stop button. <laughs> and yeah, we love you all. Ask what all these snacks are in here. This is for Jake's conference. What? Church front. Church Front is having a conference here in a couple of weeks. Oh, I knew that. I just didn't know this was all his stuff. I didn't know our podcast studio had become his storage room. It is. <laughs> it's his office. It's his storage room. Like, we're actually just guests inside of his own. <laughs> in fairness, no, he's very, very uh, gracious and cautious with our gear, and he kind of just is grateful to have a little corner in our studio. He's, so. he's got a desk and everything. Yeah, there's so there's is this podcast still on. It is. Oh. I felt like we were our, our rambling was very interesting. So, like this massive box, uh, like crate showed up in our office today, and it looks like it's like one of those super sturdy cases, but it has stickers all over it, and it looks like someone like sunk it to the bottom of the ocean and then drug it through a field. And I like, love it. It's so disgusting. And Kelly's like. What is this box? I'm like, I bet it's Jake's box <laughs> for this conference. There's probably like tens of thousands of dollars of video camera gear inside of there or something. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's too late to register for the church front conference, but you know. Yeah. If next year you can. Next year. Bye. Bye.